I'm Shane. I'm Ronnie. Ronnie and I have been friends for 40 years on this journey, and so we want you to be a part of it. So grab your mason jar and come join us as we grow journey-wise together. Hey friends, I'm Shane Stanford. And I'm Ronnie Kent. And we want to welcome you to our ongoing conversation called Journey Wise about what it means for us to make every step of the journey count and mean something. And today, Ronnie, we're going to talk about what I believe is one of the beginning, at least, of one of the most important journeys in human history. And of course, we are entering into uh, the Advent season talking about when Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth and um, uh, Zachariah got the word that they were going to have children. Uh, neither one of these couples were really expecting uh, this news, and it had a major effect on them. And of course, I think sometimes, Ronnie, we read this with such miraculous uh, sort of underpinning that we forget that there's a lot of folks who see the birth of a, of a new little one impact their life in very unusual and powerful ways. And so with all of the things that, and you and I've talked about this, all of the things that make the birth of Jesus so unique, there's also a lot in the birth of Jesus that looks familiar and feels familiar to me. And so over these next uh, three weeks, as we talk about the the nativity, the the, the birth of Jesus and go forward. I just want us to talk as not just as clinicians and, and folks who are professionals in, in mental health, but as fathers, as husbands, and to, to really talk about how it felt for us to get this news and to deal with it. Um, you've made the statement that uh, nine months, I mean, yeah, nine months to the day after you got married. No, not to the day, not to the day, nine months and nine days. Nine months. Of nine. Well, that's very important. It's very, it was very important to my mother and Anne's grandmother. I would imagine so, yes. And as father of daughters, it would be important to me. So, <laughs> I, but all that said, and that's part of the conversation is, you know, these are life changing events, uh, having a new little one come into the, in, into the world. And not just in terms of, you know, it's changing your your relational dynamics. It's changing your finances. It's changing the nature of your daily routine. I mean, it really is the most uh, life changing event that I know of that happens on a regular basis. I mean, I'm sure there's other traumatic events that we could talk about, but and talk about one that brings such level of of blessing and joy at the same time that it brings such unbelievable terror. Uh, I can't imagine. I, I don't know of another event. Do you? That, oh, that oh. Well, you know, I got to see it over and over and over and over again as a pediatrician. And it you have to be careful not to smile at other people's distress. But it was so common. In fact, people would come in for prenatal visits before their first child. And I would always make two statements number one is that your problem is the fear of the unknown you you may think that you know what you're getting into but trust me you do not and you think that life will get back to quote normal pretty soon after the the birth of your child i said normal is about to change and yes. i said the great news is, the good news i guess you could almost say for that family the gospel is that Almost for sure, the new normal is going to be better. 
sure. with, with this child. So, uh, so yes, it is a significantly life-changing event. So if, if, if Joseph uh, Nazareth and, and Mary Nazareth, newly married, um, come in and say, you know, we're having a baby, and there's just a few things we want to mention to you. Uh, <laughs> now, I, I have really thought about this because I've had some pretty unique stories shared with me about things like this. I won't go into any of them because those people will know exactly who they are. If listen to this. Unique is unique, you know. That's right. But what what do you see immediately in the story that, you know, take your long, you know, longtime believer hat off. What is it just about the facts of the nativity that really strike you as a, as a professional, as a parent? Well, I mean, you know, if they come in for a prenatal visit uh, in that community, uh, you know, at first, you know, of course, basically she became pregnant out of wedlock. Yes. Okay, and they they were pledged to each other, but but they were not in a place where they should have been exposed to enough to have a baby, uh, if you know what I mean. So, uh, so there was stress right there already on that on that family, and not only on and as you well know, and all, everybody knows, a baby is not born just to the parents. The baby is born to the the greater family, and and in that culture in particular. Being born um, in that circumstance, I mean, you know, it was actually uh, uh, she could have been stoned. Uh, and I mean, you know, and, and certainly, you know, Joseph thought about putting her away to avoid disgrace. And yet at, with God's message to him, which it's hard to ignore, you know, uh, he did what God wanted him to do and took him on as, as his wife. So just that, apart from the medical, well, in that, I think that's included in the medical, but apart from the biological circumstances, the, the social and psychological and just all those, impl- uh, those implications of what could have happened to them are huge. huge. I mean, we don't, we, don't, and we don't have any idea what it meant to them. Well, and you know, for any young woman of that time and age, they're probably going to be younger than what we Oh, yeah. what we're familiar with today on the average. Um, we we also know that Joseph was probably a good bit older uh, than her just because right. of the way certain cultural norms were happening. But this really is a, a, a discussion about how, in spite of all of this, these expectations of the world, they are brought individually into conversations of expectation between them and God and between them and each other that God sets up. And I think that tells us a lot about their character. Um, You know, you've got Mary, who, first of all, is like, this is not possible, but who kind of makes her way around to offering the Magnificat. And so she, you know, she's she's listening to what God is saying in her life. But I can only imagine what her stress level was, because like you said, there's so many other pieces to this. But it's Joseph at this moment that I think really takes on the starring role for these few kind of moments in the gospel, because Joseph is the one who has all the decisions to make. Right. And, um, and, and he has a, not just responsibility to himself and to the community, but he has very specific responsibilities in terms of Mary herself. And I can only imagine, I mean, we're not talking about a Pharisee or a religious leader or a high purpose person of civil position. He's a carpenter. 
So this is a guy who probably gets up every morning, goes to the same routine and has just been preparing for certain things to happen in his life and talk about having it turned upside down. Well, it, it's almost if it, as if God wanted to appeal to the ordinary man, don't you think? I mean, it, and, and, and you know, he started out, I mean, so differently. I mean, you know, everything about that. And anybody who is listening to this that thinks you have to be something special to be used by God, phew, this should blow that completely out of the water. I mean, these were so, in, in fact, they were, further than ordinary i mean they they weren't the norm i mean sure you know uh zach zachariah and uh, elizabeth were kind of your what you would kind of expect i mean because he was a leader in the church they were older too old uh and and you and and still even they had trouble i mean zachariah had to be shut up for for Wow, to prove to him that God was really in this. So everything about this, I wish people could appreciate how how unusually unusual this was for for God to enter into the world. We're talking about God putting on flesh, entering into the world. That's bad. That's so difficult to understand. Just I mean, talk about lack of pomp and circumstance. Oh. I mean, this is oh. the exact opposite of that. So why do you think to God then, what is clearly, or to, in your thought, the most important thing that God wants us to to notice first about, about the nativity? He, he, he came to everybody. He, he came, he came, look who, look who he talked to, to far. I mean, okay, first they go into Bethlehem. I mean, she's on a donkey. Pregnant in labor, basically. I, my wife says, "No, you don't understand." <laughs> I mean, you know, she. I watched her with our third child. She just was not. We were going to deliver at the hospital because she had already said, "Would you like to deliver this one at home?" And that was an immediate no. Uh, it, no, and so she said, "But I'm not going to lay up in that hospital bed." So I walked, watched her walk up and down our street in labor. And she would stop every few minutes and just kind of bow up while while she was having a labor pain. And and we and uh, Grace was born thirty minutes after we got to the hospital. I was afraid she was going to be born on the elevator. But just the just the fact that that they traveled that was unplanned. Couldn't have God have done it a little easier? Couldn't he have? And then couldn't he have had a nice hotel room there? I mean, you know, for them to. Everything about this, Shane, points to God not wanting to think that he is special, that he is in man's eyes. Now, he was extremely special because he was God, but he came and then he then they announced it. The last people you would announce this birth to were shepherds. I mean, you know, so, so much about this is God revealing himself. That's why Jesus came to show us the father. And so much about it is unusual. The, the contrarian nature of the story, I mean, the, it really, it sort of sets the tone, of, honestly, for the rest of Jesus's life, because he, yeah. he, he is who he claims to be, but he's not what people expected. And that starts from the very beginning. So let, let's, let's, let's go back a little bit and talk about, um, talk about family of origin, you know, family of origin and, and marriage and family therapy training, we called it foo and, uh, and uh, family of origin. And uh, there's a lot of food that goes with it. There's, there's other words you could put with that, too, <laughs> that sound like that rhyme with it. Anyway. Exactly. Um, but it's this understanding that we are 
impacted and shaped by relationships and by parents and caregivers and folks who've come before us. And although I don't believe that, um, you know, that, that there's some spiritual weight that people pay for the sins of, uh, of in, in terms of spiritual, uh, what, you know, I don't know how to dynamic, but I do think there are repercussions and circumstances and consequences that happen because of the decisions we make that will impact future generations. That, Absolutely. That's yes. just, no, that's just rational. So think about where Jesus entered into human history. Um, it is a, it's an interesting genealogy to when you look at Jesus's family. He comes from a, you know, from the line of David. So very, um, uh, he's got credentials. You know, he he comes from a good family, but he comes from a branch of the family that hasn't had the kind of um, what's what's the word I'm looking for, the, the kind of success. Celebrate, celebrate. They're not celebrities. That's right. And you know what's interesting is. To, uh, Matthew and Luke kind of approach it from two different angles. You've got one that approaches it from Joseph, and then you've got one that approaches it from Mary. But I think the ultimate goal in talking about the family of origin for Jesus is that he he absolutely has uh, been born in the uh, the lineage. I mean, there's nothing that can have been said about his his uh, birth and through the prophecies that doesn't match up. That's one of the reasons why this happens. Right. But interestingly enough for me is, I don't know about you, but whenever you start talking about your ancestors, everyone has somebody. You don't, you don't put, you maybe leave a little blank in some spots, but God chose not to. Well, I mean, when you think about, for instance, um, there's four women that are mentioned in the ancestry of Jesus that I don't think would have normally been mentioned in most Pharisees or most religious leaders ancestry they would have figured out some way to to change that differently but you know tamar um you know uh, or um bathsheba which i think is fascinating to me <laughs> yeah uh, you know one of the great one of the great mistakes of david's life she ends up being you know in the lineage of the messiah isn't that a great thing about god he can take mistakes and make something wonderful Isn't that right. god, god can redeem anything um you know or you know even looking at ruth you know ruth is a situation where she didn't do anything particularly immoral but yet she is in a she's in a very difficult situation where her faithfulness to her mother-in-law is what god wants us to record and talk about you know that there's that, that, so you have these conversations that are going on around people in Jesus's lineage that I think are meant to to share a few things with us. What what do you think is important about knowing a person's ancestry? What what are about your own family? Well, you know, I, I'm one of those somewhat unique, I don't think totally unique, but somewhat unique people that uh, it's, it's certainly in my immediate family. I, you know, my parents, you know, I always tell joke with people that I started going to church nine months and nine days before I got, I was born because, you know, we, I grew up in a little bitty town in central Mississippi and a uh, little local church. Uh, and, you know, they, they did everything from, uh, to clean up the church to teach Sunday school and, you know, and even lead worship sometimes and, and even music, which I didn't inherit any of that. But, uh, 
But, you know, so I, I was very blessed to have an older sister who was just great, you know, didn't abuse me or do anything that, you know, I mean, other than sometimes. But she was seven years older than me. So I, don't, I didn't grow up with that baggage that a lot of people do. And I agree with you a little early. In fact, Jesus said, you know, when, he, when the disciples said, was it this parent's sin, his sin, the parent's sin, you know, that caused this guy to be, be in the situation he was in. He said, it's not the sins of the parents. Although, you know, in Deuteronomy 6, we're told so that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God. And so I think there is generational connectivity to God through families. But, but I agree with you. It's, I think, more environmental than it is uh, the spiritual heredity of, of what we have. And so I think it's so important. In fact, I, I think that just think of the upbringing that in particular Mary had, but also, like you say, Mary and Joseph had, the upbringing of their family that prepared them both in their family and in their church to receive what God, the message God had for them. So I do think it's, in, it's incredibly important. Well, and I think that the story is something both that can prepare us to to move forward and and make our way through the journey but it's also something that we can also overcome if it's not been positive and that's yes. one of the things i yes. try to remind people is that your part in the story of your family's life is no more or less than what you make of it and that is included in making it worse than it needs to be or have more power over you than it needs to have um, you know, I come from a, we have a a, a, a genetic imprint in my family's yes. lineage through hemophilia. And I know that probably it was the hemophilia of my grandfather, the, my mother's mother, that caused him to act out in ways that were not good, not healthy, not supportive of his family. And over the years, as I would hear these stories about just what a difficult human being he was, I was trying to you know, uh, given what we know about hemophilia, it would have been easy for someone to say, well, you know, that's Randolph's grandson. Or there, there, there's always, it's simple for us to to put implications on someone or expectations on someone based on what their family or what their family story has. Whereas that can also play to the opposite to say, you know what, uh, that person, you can live out you can live that out. You can exact live up to or live down to whatever that expectation is, or you can also use it as a marker to live beyond it. And for me, you know, being able to tell the whole story of his life has been important because I, I think it does explain a lot of what he went through, but it also explains, I think, a lot of the family dynamics that that happened around him with sisters and family that had would had nothing to do with him or connections that were made in other families and homes throughout that community because of things he was doing he shouldn't be doing. Does that make sense that you know oh, family I, origin it, it has an impact on us whether we want it to or not. We, I mean and we yeah we it doesn't have to. That's the key Shane is I think that people that look back to that and say I can't I think it's that shame thing. You know, I'm ashamed of my family. That that doesn't go with God. I mean, you know, like you say, if I'm not mistaken, there was a harlot in Jesus's 
uh, lineage also. And so, you know, you can't let that. Jesus said, I am. That means I am the God of the present. Uh, ab- absolutely, we, we have family that we are uh, attached to, but uh, he, he can take that and, like you say, let it be a springboard to showing what redemption's all about. And I think that's the beauty of redemption. It's, it's, not, it's not fixed. It's not, uh, it's not made better. It's made new. All things are new. And so even though that's in our family history, it absolutely can be made new. And so I know there are people who are going to listen to this who have difficult moments in their family history, and they probably still have a lot of hurt or maybe a lot of difficulties from something that a father, grandfather, an uncle, a mother may have done or not done in their life. And really, you know, all of us are at crossroads or when it comes to that. We can we can allow that to define us. And, and a lot of times it does define us. We know that family of origin is a powerful indicator, or we can work forward in a more positive way. What would be the advice that you would give to someone who comes from uh, a particular history of trauma or abandonment or whatever it might be that you would say to them first as they begin to first of all give it first of all give it to god Mm. and 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 read the book (laughs) read the book because like you say if, if you you know if you don't read about and this time of the year is is so wonderful but so difficult for some people and and so uh but just read the book and see what god has done in redemption through the person of Jesus, uh, and and then, you know, deal with it. Don't try to p- push it in the past and say, well, I'm just not going to think about it, because you are going to think about it. You may not think about it, and just like a marriage and family counselor would tell you, let's talk it talk it out. And if you, if you have a friend, a pastor, or a counselor that you need to, to go to and talk this out, but do not let it drag you down. Do not please do not live in the past learn from the past but don't live in the past well and i would say the same thing to them that you know during this time of year there usually we deal with family during this time of year that we don't deal with at any other point in the year um i can't you know i was reading an article the other day about the amount of anxiety that uh, in people that goes way up during holidays and there's no other explanation of that other than two things and that's expectation and experience right and you know so as people are dealing with this my thought was is be honest about what the picture is um i've always as i've dealt with people who've had difficult holiday experiences and family situations i do something called a genogram uh, and uh, what I mean by that is it's just simply drawing out a, a, a genealogy and finding ways to, you know, exemplify what those connections look like. And so if you have a broken relationship with your father, you know, don't make just a straight line. Put some lines through that. Be honest. And no one else has to see it. It's just good for you to be able to be honest with what that conversation looks like. And then have a very specific way that you hand that over to God. I've done that several times in my own life with relationships that were broken. And, and I will draw out this picture, and it's usually the ugliest picture you can imagine. And I'll say, you know what, God, I can't make this better. And I can't make this feel joyful to me, but I know you can. But you're gonna, but you begin that with me. You don't begin that by changing someone else. You begin that with me. And so being able to turn that over. 
Um, anything in particular that your family does that's a, a is a as a Kent deal around the holidays? Well, we get together. I, you know, when we've we've had traditions and things, the Christmas story and the Christmas story. But we, you know, it's kind of like you were talking about. If you have too high expectations for what is going, specifically what is going to happen, then you're almost kind of setting yourself up for disappointment. Uh, and, and so if you can come into it with, with, the, with the old Jesus thing, you know, love other people like I've loved you and just do your best to try. We, we want each, each person to try to get the most that they can out of the celebration. And usually it starts with the breakfast and then just sitting around talking and laughing. And we try to put, although it drives the grandkids nuts, we try to put off opening the presents till really in the after early afternoon if we can put them off that long. So how does that work? Oh, it, it's it's they'll sneak off and open, you know. But but just trying to enjoy each other. It, it is kind of like with God, enjoying the giver of the gifts, not just the gift. And, and I think that's special for us in our relationship with God and with each other. Well, and, and you know, as, as people get older, relationships change. Uh, I remember a big part of my f- Christmases was being with my cousins. And as you get older and you have your own families, those get together sometimes become less and less or the dynamics change. But that's one of the things I've been very happy to to try to make connection back with family because whether we like it or not, this family of origin does have an impact on who we are every single day of the year, not just around the holidays. And so I would, I would encourage people to really speak honestly with yourself and with God about what that looks like and be able to uh, do the hard work of building back bridges, even in those relationships, don't you think that are sometimes the most difficult? Sure. And, and, you know, it's not you're not trying to fix your relatives. If you if you go into it trying to fix them, it's not going to be pretty, I can tell you. But if you can go into it trying to celebrate the relationship that God has given you and and just love on them, you know, and then, yeah, you're going to have to put up with the sticky part, the the thorns and, you know, part that that does isn't real comfortable. But if you can go into it with the expectation of making their Christmas the best Christmas they've ever had, I don't think people will be disappointed. Yeah, me either. Well, Ronnie, thank you so much. This has I, I, been a great conversation. I know that there's folks out there who may have questions or comments, and we'd love for you to to send those to us. Um, uh, send it to uh, to Shane S at morewestcenter.org uh, or Ann L at morewestcenter.org. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, every week, go through and give us that five star review and uh, and uh, recommend us so that others can be able to be a part of this conversation all right be salt and light you matter thank you amen thanks for listening to journey wise a journey wise network production 